Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 228 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Is drinking keeping you from realizing your full potential? Amanda is here to share how she changed her relationship with alcohol and opened up the floodgates for success. In her new book, Unbottled Potential, she explains how our relationship with alcohol is affecting every aspect of our lives and keeping us from playing big and reaching our full potential. This is such a fantastic episode. Let's get into it. Miss Amanda, what is going on? How are you? Oh my gosh, I am great and also in like the most pivotal tornado of my life, which makes it sound both fun, exhilarating and terrifying, which is kind of what's happening. Yeah. That sounds like my ideal situation. Yeah. According you know to my it's, therapist. It's how, I, it's how I function mine too. That's how I function best. I'm like over-functioning. Yes. Let's yes. go. Oh my gosh. You're right. If it isn't like bringing me total stress and overwhelm, I don't want it. Yeah. So Weird. for those of you ever thinking of writing a book, that's exactly what it feels like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in the oh, most joyful Lord. way, in the most joyful way. Totally. It's like so satisfying. And I cannot wait to talk about your new book coming out, Unbottled Potential. But before we do, and I know you've been on the podcast because you just reminded me <laughs> previous to this conversation, I'm definitely having major brain fog. If you can't hear, I'm a little under the weather, but we're pulling through. We're on, we're on the other side of the coin. I feel like, yes. Right. Like we're seeing the light. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda, could you give us a little backstory of your relationship with alcohol and what that looks like? Mm-hmm. Maybe if you could explain your, uh, BS self. So your before sobriety self to us. Yes. She was a fun gal. Also a very insecure gal. Like I grew up in the middle of nowhere in a very small town. And it was one of those places where everyone knew your business and it was really Mm. clear who the popular and the not popular, the have and have nots were. And 
I was on the lower end of the scale. I came from a single parent family and, you know, really was an ugly duckling through high school. Didn't like come into my own self physically or emotionally until I was off out of the nest off into college. And so being an adolescent was a super vulnerable time for me. I just felt Mm. like I didn't fit in and more even just existentially, I had always kind of felt that. And so I really just was looking for all of these solutions to be just like all of the other kids. And when I was later in high school, because everyone else had started drinking before me, I realized that all of the kids had stopped going to sleepovers and started going to basement parties and that you didn't really have to get invited to these parties. You could just show up once you heard about them. And the the kicker was though, you needed to drink. And so, right. So there was no there was no like, Hey, just show up and see how it goes. Like I realized to have the guts to show up as well, even though you didn't have to be invited that I needed to manipulate those, my feelings just a little bit. And so I remember, you know, the first time that I drank alcohol was with a group of, you know, girls who I perceived to be a little cooler than me Mm -hmm. and having this magical euphoric feeling of, Whoa, some of that anxiety, some of that internal chatter, some of those fears started Mm -hmm. to go away. And I wouldn't Mm -hmm. say that it was necessarily my best and most confident self that came out, but I at least came out of my shell. And so Mm -hmm. I, what I want to say about my relationship with alcohol is that I don't, I'm not one of those people who say, I don't, I wish I never would have drank because it was such a pivotal, Mm -hmm. um, rite of passage for me that I I know that it was an important part of my journey. But then when you come into yourself, come into your own quote unquote, using a substance, it also does this trick in your head that makes you think that if I want to be social, fit in, be cool, be able to be outgoing, I need this thing. And so, yeah, you know, you know, the drill, like it just Mm -hmm. becomes like part of your persona and something you feel like you need to have in order to survive and thrive. And so I went through college with that as a crutch and a, you know, it didn't really even feel like a crutch in college. It felt like a like a sidekick. Like this was just part of who I was. It came with me no matter where I went. And I really enjoyed being a party girl. And I always compare myself, you know, I wanted to be this Carrie Bradshaw type because I thought that she was like the epitome of like the sexy fun woman when we were younger. And so that's why I marketed myself as. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it was in its prime. Well, it was past its prime a little bit, but that was still like the go-to who was the sexiest group of women the sex in the city gals, right? Oh, hands down. Mm-hmm. I think every girl can relate like listening to this podcast who like they they've picked a character or traits mm-hmm. from a character and latched on and like kind of wrote out their like maybe early adulthood as yeah. that character. That show yeah. was so influential. It made Absolutely. everything look so good. Yeah, and Come to I find mean- out, you know, Carrie's super toxic. <laughs> not so much, right? You yeah. Know, I think it's so funny how I mentioned this so much in my book, not knowing that they were going to do a reboot of the show and now seeing, yeah. you know, how these women have evolved into adulthood is really, really in- interesting because yes. the thing is we all have the wool pulled over our eyes. Like Carrie was a, a struggling journalist somehow was able to spend all her money on shoes and rent, but she didn't, you know, I perceived my visualization at that point was 
She was sexy. She was sophisticated. She had great clothes, great friends. Men were throwing themselves at her. And what did she always have in her hand, but a cosmopolitan martini, right? And let's be clear. I mean, Jess, I don't know about you, but I was not sophisticated enough to drink Cosmos. No, hundred percent. No. What was your drink of choice when you were younger? Oh my God. I love coolers. Oh yeah. Yep. (laughs) Same. So I would drink like, do you have Sonic in Canada? No. Okay. It's but like I've been to normal. Sonic before. Okay, good. So, you know, but in, it's like, they have all these fruit slushes. So it was like, mm-hmm. you go get a fruit slush, you fill it with half with vodka. And yes. that was like my poor girl's Cosmo. And that did it for me. That's like, pretty I was like, cute okay, though. I'm doing it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, That's... this is my version of Carrie Bradshaw. Yeah. And little did I see though, that she was always heartbroken. She was always in some sort of drama and trauma. And Mm -hmm. now flashing forward, looking at this, you know, this new iteration of Sex and the City, like Harry's life wasn't that great, but it seems so sparkly to me as someone coming from middle of nowhere, Midwestern podunk country town. And bless my, I love my hometown, but it it was very much the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and well, it's not New York. Let's just right. put it that It wasn't way. a big yeah. city. And so this yeah. was something I aspired to in my young mind thought, well, like if I can cherry pick some of the things that Carrie has, I can get there. And part of that was this frivolous party girl, CNB scene lifestyle. And I lived that mm-hmm. throughout my twenties until I realized I think there's something kind of fucked about this. And that was not an easy realization to come to. I was definitely in denial. I mean, it's somewhat akin to, you know, I don't like to get into the politics of alcohol, but being in like a cult and being brainwashed for years and then like kind Mm -hmm. of wanting to get out, but kind of like also feeling like this is my family and I should stay in and I'm going to betray everyone if I leave. Um, Just like very strange feeling of wanting to leave, but also wanting to stay in my late twenties, early thirties, that led to kind of an awakening and a transformation. Oh my gosh. I can totally, that you're so right. You know, wanting like this chosen group of friends, family, whatever, whatever it is. Um, and you're all doing the same thing, Mm -hmm. right? You're Mm -hmm. all doing the same thing. You're socializing over the same thing. You're going to the same places. And unfortunately like alcohol centers around 98% of that. Yeah. So what happens when you take that out of the equation? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I knew what I thought would happen and I know what a lot of people think what would happen is that you will become a social recluse. And I was so afraid that I would get basically like evicted from my friend group and that they would all talk behind my back and say like, what a goody goody loser I was. And that not only that, but I get kicked out of my friends, but I'd have no mechanism by which to meet friends because I had no you know, experience with meeting anyone outside of these drinking social circles. But I have to give you the good news that that did not happen. And (laughs) of course I grew apart from some of those friendships that I was in. Um, But for the most part, it was very undramatic. Like I expected it to be this real housewives moment where I truly would sit up and have nightmares about these three specific friends who were going to kind of shit talk me and Mm. make fun of me because I wasn't drinking anymore. And I just feared for the worst, but really Mm. when, when I decided to quit drinking, I'm a very stubborn person. I don't know if you can relate at all. Just just a (laughs) tiny bit. (laughs) Okay. okay. So, and I'm sure that many of you can as well, but once I put that stake in the ground that said, I'm not doing this, 
I decided like no one was going to convince me otherwise. So Mm. any peer pressure, I don't remember there being any peer pressure for me to drink, but I also think that maybe I had such tunnel vision of like, I am not drinking that maybe it just bounced off of me and I wasn't aware that it even occurred. But what the beautiful thing is that happened is that the friendships that no longer fit into my life started to fade away Mm -hmm. and left space for these new, more congruent, more reciprocal friendships and more connected friendships to kind of like come into my life. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't only the social aspect, which was the thing that I obsessed about and so many people obsessed about, but there were so many pieces of my life that organically fell away that created, Mm -hmm. or that just didn't fit anymore. And that I had to choose to release that created space for, you know, my book, which is called unbottled potential for Mm -hmm. me to express my potential in ways that I never knew were possible. And I think that this is, you know, we focus so much on the, who will I be without alcohol that we miss the other side of that, which is who could you be? Who could you be without alcohol? And it is, We, we look at it with this dismal thing, but it is actually something that has the potential to be really, really beautiful and, and amazing. Whoa. Yes, absolutely. Who could I be without mm-hmm. this? Yeah. That is a powerful question. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. actually, even just asking yourself that, like, it gets you thinking, not even if you have the answers, you don't have to have the mm-hmm. answers right now. Yeah. But just planting that seed is so powerful. Mm-hmm. So I want to back it up and talk about, you know, our stubbornness. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, how, when you said you like kind of dug your heels in and you were, you do, you had pretty strong convictions about not mm-hmm. drinking, mm-hmm. how did you get there? Or do, does that naturally happen for you? Or how did you kind of make the switch from, okay, I'm drinking, like, I kind of need this thing to give me this extra, you know, little sparkle, blah, blah, blah. To actually fuck this, I'm not drinking anymore. Yep. That's yeah. It. Right. Well, let's be clear. There was a very long period of messy middle where I dug my heels into this other side, which was, I'm going to figure out moderation. Like, I'm going to crack the code mm. on this, this guy. And that was frustrating because it didn't seem to work. And so mm. I, I don't, did you have a period where you just tried to cold turkey moderate as well? Um, I didn't moderate because it never, never worked. Yeah. Like it literally never worked. Like I would just be like, oh, I'm just going to go like a week or maybe like a couple hours. Uh I know that sounds kind of pathetic, but like, no, I would always, always be able to rationalize and justify why I could, why I could drink. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's. That's the messed up part for everyone is that there's always going to be an excuse to drink. There's always going to be a peer pressure, an invitation, a sorrow to drown, a happy hour, something to celebrate, a wedding, a funeral, a Thursday, whatever. There's always going to be a reason to drink. And I was always, as someone trying to moderate at first, negotiating, okay, well, I said no, Mm -hmm. but now I'll say yes. And then moving around the pieces of the puzzle to try and make sense of it or try to, you know, make it work. And at the end of the day yo, I am meant to use my brain for something so much more brilliant than to figure out how to moderate alcohol. And finally, I just got so frustrated with it. Like I really wanted to make it work. And then it was just like, I don't know. It's like, if you buy, um, 
I don't know why I'm coming up with this analogy, but like, let's imagine you buy like a real fixer upper of a house Uh and you go in and you keep finding things that are like falling apart and falling apart until at the end of the day, you're like, I'm just knocking this sucker down and starting from the ground up because it's not worth it. Like, that's what it felt like. Like I kept finding like trap doors and loopholes and things that just weren't working with moderation. And finally Mm. I was just like, I am worth more than this. I have something better to spend my time on than this, like impossible, seemingly impossible feat. And it, I think a lot of people feel like saying no to moderation and yes to abstinence is admitting some sort of defeat. And to me, it felt like victory because I cleared up all this brain space and granted, I just want to be clear. It didn't happen like yes, I'm going to abstain and it's going to be wonderful. But it happened pretty quickly because I realized like I want for something different. I truly feel in my gut that abstinence from alcohol is the way to get there. And Mm -hmm. I have so many people telling me that it's impossible or not necessary. And I think that was it. I think it was, I think it was, it was like the naysayers who would say, you don't need to do that because you're not an alcoholic. Um, you That's silly. Why would you want to do that? Or you can't do that. And yep. that's what kind of made me puff up my chest and say, watch out, I'm going to show you. And what kind of went as started as this like internal challenge turned into, okay, now I've been alcohol free 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, nine months. Yeah. And then I just felt really good. So I'm like, Hey, if it took me like digging my heels in to try and prove something to myself and others. Guess yep. what? It really worked out pretty freaking good for me. So <laughs> whatever. Yeah, sobriety like, is a flex. Hello. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm like, whatever. Yeah. I did prove something and I proved to myself that I could live a better life and be happier. And when I look back and compare how good I felt being alcohol free for that longer period of time, I I realized that what was happiness and fun, and I'm using quote fingers in the, in a video, what what was like happy and fun and cool and exciting actually wasn't that happy, fun, cool, and exciting at the end of the day. It was just the highest level of comparison I had. Yeah. Well, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. And then once you see it, you can't unsee it. And that's kind of where I got to that. I let myself get to a place where things were good enough that I'm like, oh, that was complete crap that I had before in comparison. Yeah. Like this is not even again, the potential that it could be exactly actual potential. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk about something that you mentioned, um, when you were in the midst of like, like this mindset change and kind Mm -hmm. of wrapping your head around moderation or, and changing your relationship with alcohol. And you mentioned something really interesting. It was about, um, being wrong. I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally, and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. 
but sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com ASGG today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash ASGG. Mm-hmm. Because in order, and, and hear me out. Yeah. Just just a thought here, but to evoke change, and, and this can be for anything, right? Eating mm-hmm. habits, workout, you know, parenting techniques, whatever you're doing, any mm-hmm. kind of change in your life. At one point or another, you have to look at yourself and you have to kind of admit that what I'm doing isn't working. Mm-hmm. Therefore, yep. I'm kind of wrong. Yeah. Or at least like this is wrong for me or this, yeah. you know, this is the wrong path or the wrong way to go about it. And yeah. that doesn't mean that you are like, um, at a, it's not at personal a level. It's not personal. It's just like, no. like, Hey, some people can eat gluten and some people can't, or some people, you know, want to be mathematicians and some people don't. And yes. it is just like, Hey, for me, it living the life, not only was alcohol not working for me, but Mm -hmm. living the life that at the level of smallness that I had to keep it in order to maintain my relationship with alcohol was no longer working for me because I was meant Mm -hmm. for something bigger. And that was at the, that point kind of what really was the catalyst as well as I had all these big dreams and I couldn't dream them and let them come to life with this while while being on the wrong path, right? It's like you you yeah. hear in like the corporate, um, in the corporate world, we used to have this um, phrase, like you want to make sure everyone's on the right seat of the bus. And as a drinker, I was on mm. the wrong seat of the bus and I might've, you know, still gotten to my destination, but I ended up getting there so much faster and with so much more ease when I got into the right seat on the bus, which was me not drinking alcohol anymore. Yeah. Oh, keyword ease. Mm-hmm. right like yeah. why do we need to make everything so much harder like drinking yeah. alcohol and being hungover is like doing life like walking in quicksand yes oh absolutely and I, I'm sure you can relate in your listeners as well that I wasn't unsuccessful like I had a yeah. good job I had you know a car and an apartment and I was healthy and I had cool friends and the clothes and the whatever I was checking all the boxes And yet it felt like it was, I still was working my ass off to get there and don't get me wrong. I still work hard, but it's not the same type of hard I used to endure when I was drinking. Can you go into that a little bit more? Because that is a really interesting concept and everyone kind of like just 
talks about it, but no one explains what that actually means or looks like. Yeah. I feel like, um, I feel like maybe it's Alex Hormozzi. I'm not super familiar with his work, but I keep seeing this quote that he has going like around, like you have to choose your hard. And for me, like alcohol was one form of hard because I realized that everything I was doing just was more complicated and more Mm. frustrating and more slow and less aligned when I was drinking. But Mm -hmm. when I stopped and I'll explain kind of my theory as to why everything started to clear up and be happier and easier and more productive and more fulfilling. And I think that is because when we are drinking, we are not really most likely living our true authentic life. We are choosing a life that's based on what other people told, told us to do, what other people told us was good, right, productive, monetizable, whatever. And we're putting on this mask to show up as for me, the Carrie Bradshaw type. And yeah, there are parts of me that probably are very much a Carrie Bradshaw, but I was using alcohol as a tool to accentuate this version of me that I thought was good, right, and popular. And when I removed alcohol from the picture, I realized that a lot of the things I was doing, I actually wasn't super jazzed about. Like I wasn't fulfilled by my friendships. I wasn't um, turned on by my romantic relationships. I wasn't fulfilled by my job. And those were all things I might've blindly marched along accepting when alcohol was in the picture because it was numbing me down. It was, I was using it as a coping mechanism. And it wasn't that I was desperately depressed or at rock bottom. Again, my life was pretty good, but it was still like, I felt like everything I did, I was doing it with 10 times the effort. Like I, I was working really hard to impress people at my job. And it still felt like I was doing a good job and everything was fine, but it felt out of alignment. Like it felt like, Mm. I don't, it's, it's hard to describe the feeling of when you're doing something and you're good enough at it, but Mm -hmm. you don't feel connected to it. You know, you feel like you're. When you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare and Osea makes me and my skin Feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria LG Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off you're just not supposed to be there. And yeah. then yet, like you're just going through the motions. Yeah. But like- and, and that you feel like you're like kind of a shithead for not feeling more grateful for all of the benefits you've been given. And when no, I, I get like, it, I totally yeah. get it. Yeah. 100%. Like, 
it's, I mean, I don't know if you had that like same experience of just like feeling like you should be grateful, but, and everything is going fine, but is fine really what we want to shoot for in life? No, I listen, I was a DJ Mm -hmm. on paper. Mm -hmm. And even when I tell people that you should see their faces, they're so impressed. Like, Oh my God, that's so So cool. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it is until it isn't like, it's also just like another job kind Mm -hmm. of. Yeah. But like, honestly, and I, I believe this to this day, like it, like you said, it wasn't firing me up. It wasn't turning. Like I wasn't excited to go to work. If anything, Mm -hmm. I was dragging my ass to work. I was Mm -hmm. looking at the watch at my watch. I literally worked two, maybe four hours a night. Uh Uh-huh. Like, yep. come on. Yeah, girl. you're like TikTok. What? Yeah. <laughs> Can't like, wait to really, leave. like, chill. That should out. tell you something, though. That yeah. should tell you that you weren't wanting to be there, really. Yeah. And by like the second hour, I'd be like, okay, yeah, like, gotta go. Like, pack up all my stuff, like, out the door. Yes. I don't want to be the DJ who doesn't want to be there. I don't right. want to be that person at all. Like, I mm-hmm. want to be there, not just because I'm, of course, getting money, right. because I actually really genuinely want to be there. Yeah. And can you imagine how much space you're taking up for someone who actually does, who's like dream it is mm-hmm. to work where you work or like DJ those venues or DJ those parties? I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to do a hell of a lot better job just because they want to be there. Yeah. And you probably feel felt like-, like obligated to go because mm-hmm. you had built this persona for yourself and you climbed so far up this ladder and had so much notoriety. And yep you know, shouldn't you be grateful because this was so many people's dream and we get stuck in this mindset. And I think that, you know, on a more like existential level, alcohol is a tool that we use to kind of like quiet that voice inside. That's like, you should just be happy. And, and then thus we, we stay stuck in a cycle because after we're drinking and hungover, we don't have the wherewithal to go do anything super duper productive to get ourselves out of this cycle. And so we end back up in doing the job again, feeling dissatisfied, drinking because we feel dissatisfied and staying stuck. And what I needed to do was just have that little space to like get some self-confidence, which outwardly it looked like I had, but inwardly I didn't. I needed some space to get some self-confidence and also have some creative vision because the vision Mm. for what my life could be probably kind of similar to you as a DJ was like, well, I have my, you know, my DJ credentials. And so who's going to hire me for anything else? What else could I possibly be? You know? And that's kind of how Mm -hmm. I felt. I'm like, I've climbed so far up this ladder that like, you want me to make a shift in trajectory now? But once I had the space to like really actually be creative, I realized there was so much more, like much more space for me to dream and also space for me to do something else and expand into what was possible for me in another way. So how did we get here? Oh, because we were talking about kind of like choosing your version of hard. And I I mean, I'd love to worry just like professionally how this has changed me. But once I got out of that kind of cycle with alcohol, I, it's not like it was, everything has been doves and rainbows and easy breezy, but what I, what I perceive has happened. And I I speak from a very very spiritual standpoint. So everything in our lives has energy. Mm -hmm. And if you are constantly living at the energy of alcohol, which is not very high vibe, Mm -hmm. you therefore are going to be more likely to attract similar experiences that are at that similar vibration to where you're at. And when I removed alcohol from the picture, I also did a fuck ton 
um, to be scientifically accurate of self-help <laughs> and spiritual work and therapy and all of these things. So not yeah. only was I removing this thing that was blocking my energetic vibration, but I was climbing that energetic ladder with every single effort that I was putting in that all of a sudden, some of the things I wanted and dreamed for, like writing this book came to me very quickly. And with a lot of ease, it was as if they could not keep themselves away from me, these opportunities and these possibilities. And I think that that's really freaking magical. And that I think is the part that did I still have to get, go after the book deal and write the book. And was that hard? Yeah, definitely. And it felt also so congruent and easeful. Was it easy? No, but easeful as though it was supposed to happen that that I never had that experience when I was a drinker, that things like just felt like serendipitous and Mm. meant to be, you know? And that's how I feel with most of things in my life that they're just like, you're because they're supposed to be not because I like manipulated my people around me and, you know, pushed and prodded and rubbed elbows and stuff, you know, brown nose with the right people that I actually earned it. And it was attracted to me. What I wanted was wanting me and it found me versus me trying to like muscle my way to success. Mm. Yes. Or white knuckling it. Like this has to work. Mm -hmm. This piece has to fit in this space. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is so incredible. So take me to the book. Yeah. Unbottled potential. I love the name. The name is unbelievable. Yeah. Tell me about like the gist of the book, what we can expect from the book. Mm -hmm. So Unbottled Potential is, I really feel like it's different than any of the other Quitlet books that are out there right now, because it is not, um, it's, there is memoir in there. There's definitely pieces of my story woven in, but they're all attached to a lesson that you might need to learn about how you've gotten to this place with the way that you think about alcohol and Mm. how you can retrain yourself to think differently in a more opportunistic and more potentially focused way so that you can use alcohol or use sobriety as a stepping stone to everything else you want in your life. And so I really think this book is a great resource for anyone who just believes that they are meant for more and that alcohol is either currently or has somewhere in the recent past held you back because it is such a pervasive tool, again, alcohol, that you probably don't even fully realize how many places in your life it has affected the way that you think and behave and show up. And my intention is to show you, hey, here's how this has actually fully immersed itself in your life, um, that being alcohol. And here's how you can remove it. And then also re-resource yourself to have better relationships, to be more emotionally capable, to be, you know, find your passion and find your calling and to have just the life that you may think is a distant dream right now, but is actually a, a very important destiny. So it's mm. meant to inspire anyone and everyone who feels curious about living a life that's alcohol free, even if it even if it does feel a little intimidating, like it did for me at first. Yeah, I mean, totally. It's again, it's a change. All changes are hard or scary or all of the above. Yeah. Um, have you always wanted to write a book? You know, I have, I remember, I feel like a lot of my memories of like what I wanted to be in life go back to second grade. And I remember in second grade thinking I'm going to be an author someday. 
And, you know, that was like, I wasn't reading self-help books, (laughs) (laughs) but I remember like, I thought I was going to write a fiction book probably. And as I like got later into my years and as I started on my self-help kind of spiritual journey, which was before I stopped drinking, um, reading a lot of self-help and spiritual development books. And I thought supposed to do this. And Mm -hmm. yet there was this other little voice that was like, what kind of idea are you going to come up with? Who are you to write a book like this? And the book, the title, the content, everything kind of like presented itself to me once I got out of my own way and let myself like creatively just like be open to possibility. And I'm really proud of how it turned out. Are there errors in it? Sure. Are there things that I would change? Absolutely. There's always going to be things that you change when you put something set in stone for the, through the end of time. And I also think it's a really, really awesome resource. And I'm really proud to share it with everyone soon. Oh, I'm so excited for you. This is so huge. It is. It's a huge moment. Yeah. Little Amanda, little second grade Amanda is like (laughs) back there cheering for me. Like I knew you could do it. Yeah. Look at big girl Amanda. I know. I know. It's It's like a really special moment for sure. So where can people pre-order this work of art? Yes. Well, you can get it anywhere books are sold. Um, You can, but the really important thing though, is that if you pre-order specifically before October 7th, which is the week that it is out um, and go to my website, um, which will give you the links, but it's amandacuda.com forward slash book. And you enter your receipt number on my website. I will invite you to a live um, kind of launch event that I'm doing on October 7th that evening. So if you pre-order, I would cool. love to see you at that event. There's going to be some special guests, some exciting happenings. Um, and I'm going to give you some behind the scenes content that was not in the book. So would really Ooh. love anyone who supports. I know it's so hard to pre-order something that you can't have in your hands yet, but I really would well, thanks, Amazon. throw a little party for you, you know? <laughs> Um, I mean, it's definitely worth the wait. I think Amazon has definitely corrupted our expectations on when to get things like especially and even like food delivery services like, oh, yeah, like 40 minutes. Forget it. I need it now. It's over. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. But and you I mean, definitely worth the wait that if you pre-order it, they will drop it at your doorstep on October 3rd when it's out. And I also narrated the audio book, which was so freaking fun as a kid who like love to read the longest paragraph I would like wait until like I see it would come up in the textbook and I'd raise my hand and it was like reading an 18 hour paragraph <laughs> and Whoa. I, if, if you're an audiobook person I think it's going to be a really fun experience because it was really oh I love that record. I love audiobooks they're like my favorite that's like my walking jam session like that's my time or yeah. like when I'm driving to my parents house I always mm-hmm. need to plug something in yes. prep the old brain. <laughs> yeah, I think that it's really going to, I really hope that a lot of people do choose to listen just because I think it's such like a intimate experience. And there's mm-hmm. certainly points in the book where you get to hear like my emotion and um, really just tap into my feelings and vibes. So I think it's a really cool and special experience, but I buy it whatever way feels good for you. If you are going to buy it, whatever, Kindle, paperback, audiobook. I appreciate them all. And we love a little behind the scenes situation. So that event is really fun. That sounds Mm -hmm. like a really good perk to pre-order for sure. I cannot wait. Cannot wait to hang with some of (laughs) y'all. So Amanda, one more question for you. For anyone who is listening, who is maybe 
thinking about making some changes to their relationship with alcohol or going through it right now, what are some advice you could offer? Mm. I think the most important thing I would say to anyone who is feeling curious about changing their relationship with alcohol, curious about sobriety is that I always say this idea was not planted on your heart and in your mind at random. This wasn't some like inconvenient thought you had or something that's silly or too over the top or, or too, um, you know, too out there. You may, you had that thought in your mind for a reason. It doesn't have to mean that you have a problem with alcohol or that there's something wrong with you. It could actually just mean that you have an opportunity and that there's something inside of you that knows that it is true. So it keeps whispering at you and whispering at you. And I encourage you to listen to that whisper. And because if not, typically it becomes a very loud roar. And I'd like for you to to tap into it before it becomes that very loud roar, because I know that anyone listening is meant for so much more than what you're able to accomplish as a drinker. And there's a reason you're here. It's not because you have a silly random idea. It's because you had something put on your heart and it was put there for a reason. And I just really want to encourage anyone to, to give it a solid go. Not, not a little, you know, if, if all you can muster at first is a couple days, I think we all went through that point where we, that's all we could get through, but really give it a solid try, really commit to yourself and show up for yourself because you're worth it. You deserve it. And there's something inside of you that knows that too. And it might be hard to reckon with that voice, but it's there for a reason. Mm, Totally. Please don't let that roar become a drop kick to the crotch. Mm -hmm. No, we do not want that. (laughs) It's uh, yeah, it's a little painful from experience. Yeah, Yeah. totally. It makes for a good story, but, but we don't, we don't want you to get there. We don't have to learn, learn from our mistakes. Totally. And not everyone needs to have that like drama, you know, reality TV, real housewives situation. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I love how your story, you know, didn't include a rock bottom, didn't like mm-hmm. include some dramatic, drastic change in your life. I think it's, you're just so relatable. And that's why I, I love to have you on the podcast. And again, this is our second time. So if you haven't uh, checked out our first episode, definitely check that out as well. Um, but yeah, it's just, it just is. Yeah, just it is. is. It you is. needed to unleash your unbottled potential. That's right. And if I can support you in that, I would be so honored. Love that. Amanda, tell us where we can find you on the World Wide Web. You can find me everywhere at Amanda Kuda. And my last name is K-U-D-A. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly on Instagram or my website, sometimes on TikTok if I'm feeling spicy. Um, so yeah, <laughs> come hang out with me and shout, shout me out, Try, slide into my DMs or send me an email. I love to hear from people. And I just really hope that this book reaches whoever it needs to reach or this, even this episode reaches whoever it needs to reach today. Mm. Amanda, thank you so, so much for your honesty, your experience and sharing your knowledge with us. And again, a huge congratulations on this book. I'm so proud of you. This thank is you, so thank great. You, thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah. We are so proud of our friend Amanda for completing her first book. Writing a book is no small task. So huge congratulations. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, and leave your feedback about the podcast. And don't forget, sharing is caring. If you heard something that a friend, a family member, or a loved one needs to hear in this episode or any of our other episodes, please make sure to share it along. 
Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Sober Girls Guide and Los Angeles Sober Girls. We are coming to you. If you want to meet me, I want to meet you. Join us for our live podcast event in LA, October 8th. Follow us on Instagram for more information or head to the website, sobergirlsguide.com, where you can grab tickets and learn more about the event on October 8th. And at any stage of your booze-free journey, head to sobergirlsguide.com. We have tips, tricks, tools for you at any stage of your booze-free journey. We got your back. Head to a sobergirlsguide.com now. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.